All right, welcome on in. Another week of the Locked On Syracuse podcast, your only spot for daily Syracuse podcasts. Today's episode brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Hope everyone had a good weekend out there. Hope you enjoyed some live sports for a change. How about that? I'm all baseballed out from this weekend. And I say that in in a good way. No, no, no. In a good (laughs) way, I'm all baseballed (laughs) out. And maybe it's because I'm a little surprised my Cubs went 2-1. and You you had a very rough weekend, my friend. Yeah, don't bring it up. The Red Sox, it's going to be a long season. I'm already ready for the Celtics. Did you see there was great Twitter banter between Mike Waters and Brent Axe? And they do this all the time when they get together. Mike Waters, a... Orioles fan, Brent Axe, a Red Sox fan. So there's the Syracuse media personalities, the Syracuse basketball personalities going back and forth. So I enjoyed a lot of that from the entirety of the weekend. Yes, and unfortunately... How about Mike getting the last laugh? Yeah, that's a rare instance. I mean, that's a tough way to start a season in terms of motivating me to buy in on the Red Sox and follow them this year. But I guess it's all relative. I mean, some people are hearing my sob story and, and they've had worse bouts when terms right. of real quick team, before so. we do get into the all the Syracuse stuff do you yeah. like all the new stuff in baseball whether it's the 60 games are you locked in for the sprint some of the new rules we saw are you a fan yeah I mean I think they I think they should have a shorter season in general mm-hmm. and I don't know it's weird because it's probably too short now but I understand why they they went there. Right overall, I think if I had a team that I was a little bit more excited about, I'd be about as excited as possible. I think they did a good job. Yeah, I I like all the new rules. I I was I've always been an advocate for the runner on second for yeah. the extra innings, and now to see that actually come to fruition, I'm very excited. I hope that stays for extra innings. Right, this could be a recruiting heavy episode because. We uh, got cursed again, Ty, last Friday. We recorded the podcast when we could, which was kind of mid-afternoon, and then boom, as soon as we finished recording, Kalen Ellis commits, which was a big commit for Syracuse, an offensive lineman who had a really strong offer sheet, one of the better offer sheets we've seen from this 2021 cycle. Three-star guy from Hawaii, offers from Virginia, UCLA, San Diego State, Hawaii as well in that home state. And then you got interest from Oregon, Oregon State, and Northwestern. Probably one of the better offer sheets we've seen out of any of these commits so far. I agree. And I really like to see, once again, Dino Babers going into his toolbox because he's been very creative, very resourceful. I imagine he's relying on a lot of his contacts because he's got a a lot of strong ties to Hawaii. How about that? The second Hawaiian commit. Can can I get an aloha out of you, Tim? Can we get Chad Ford in here? Give me an aloha, <laughs> all right? Aloha. <laughs> because Dino Babers has gotten creative during this time. Again, travel's pretty much locked down. You're not getting these visits, yet you've gotten two guys out of Hawaii. You've got Justin Lampson, your prize of the class so far, coming all the way across the country from California. And I just like the way that he's gone about this entire process. And He's not just going out and getting some slouches. I think Kalen Ellis can be a very good contributor for this team. He's got a fantastic combination of size and athleticism. 6'5", 350. 350. As a guy who just finished up his junior year in high school. And he prides himself in pass protection, which when you look at a guy like Justin Lampson coming in, that's what I like to hear. Yeah, I mean, 350 and he moves well. He's athletic, got quick feet. 
I think the Hawaiian connection thing was obviously a huge deal for him here and the relationship with the coaches, which is what we hear over and over with all these guys. He said he spoke to Justin Lampson and some of those other 2021 guys, and he liked that they were all kind of saying the same thing as him, which was, I really like the coaches. I like the family aspect. I like what they're building. I've kind of been, you know, on record saying I want to see a, a couple more recruits with a little bit better offer sheets, and I like this cycle so far. And we'll get into kind of grading the class, which is a tough thing to do. I'll be interested to see what the grade you give them okay. is so far for this cycle. But we can get into that in a little bit. I think sticking with Ellis, a three-star guy that, I mean, 350 is about as, as heavy as we've seen any of these offensive linemen that have committed to Syracuse in a long time. And maybe he'll have to drop a couple pounds because – you know, I think there's a reason why Syracuse doesn't get the heavy guys in general. It's because their offense is right. I mean, so quick we hear Dino say the offense can only move yes. as fast as the slowest offensive lineman. But I don't think just because you see the 350 next to to Kalen Ellis's name, that doesn't re- really give you a real indication. Because when you watch him play, he does move well. He moves extremely well for a guy of his size and stature. And I mean, there's there's guys who I've seen who are 6'5", 350, who would not mesh in a Dino Babers offense. But this is a guy who I think will. Yeah, and that's something that Dino has said since he got to Syracuse. In the trenches, he wants to upgrade the size and the height there. And he knows that when you're dealing with the Clemsons of the world in your division, in the ACC, the Florida States of the world, that that is a huge area where he felt they were lacking from the moment he got there. And they've held their own at times, but I think this past year we really saw the troubles with protecting the quarterback and maybe not having the appropriate size back there and a number of other things, including injuries, fell into that for sure. But we were asking for offensive linemen to be the focal point now that you got your quarterback of the future potentially in Justin Lampson, a guy we really like. We got to build around him and make sure that he has a good crop of offensive linemen coming in. There's a couple guys still out there that I think we're both very interested to see which way they sway. This guy wasn't necessarily on my radar, at least in terms no, of. Nor was I didn't he on think, mine. Yeah, it kind of came out of nowhere, but I mean, 6'5, 350. I'll say it again. Like, that is just, you start there, and that's great, especially because, like you said, when you watch his tape, he doesn't look 350. He carries his weight pretty well. Well, okay, he looks 350. He doesn't move like he's 350. Okay, that's yeah, the takeaway right. I have from it. I think the most important quote that I saw from this, and this kind of gets back to what we've been saying for a while that this team, all right, you've got your quarterback. Now build that offensive line around him. And. When I see him come out and say there are two very key guys in my recruitment and from a player perspective, Austin Kawhi obviously makes a lot of sense because now yep. you've got someone going from Hawaii to Syracuse with you. And I think that's a kind of important aspect. You've got relatability with a guy. He plays the same position. You're from the same state. And it's not like, oh, they're both from New Jersey. No, they're from an obscure state, especially for Syracuse football. They've never had one guy on scholarship from Hawaii. Now they're about to have two. So I think that's a very interesting move there. And then also he said Justin Lampson. And that was the most important part here. There is a sense of pride, a sense of futuristic direction from the quarterback position and it's apparent and that's going to draw in a lot of these recruits especially from the positions that surround the offensive line basically the rest of the 
the offense. So, so surrounding the quarterback position, I, sh- I should say, not the offensive line. Yeah. So you're probably going to see more receivers or tight ends or offensive linemen who want to play with a guy like Justin Lampson now. Right. Well, very excited about Kalen Ellis and the offer sheet that he brings to, you know, spurn UCLA, Virginia, which is an ACC program, obviously, in your conference that's kind of on the rise. And then just some of the schools that had interest in him that are out on the West Coast to spurn all that and come all the way over to the East Coast. I think you're spot on there with the other Hawaiian Hawaiian recruit because – that gave him the confidence to kind of make that leap of faith. And he kind of touched on that in some of his quotes to Mike McAllister over at 247sports.com. So excited about him. I think we should dive into now kind of the general conversation on how we feel about this 2021 cycle. We've talked about a lot about the individual players. Well, we're now at a point where I think that marked 15 commits now with Kalen Ellis. We're getting up there in this 2021 cycle. So let's break down what our grade is for this cycle at this point, 15 commits in. And before we do that, just a real quick word from our friends at rockauto.com. It's, of course, the best way to maintain and repair your car or truck right now. No matter what model, no matter what year, no matter what problem you're having in your car. I went the other day. It's now my second time I have gone to rockauto.com to get the best prices and just a safer way to go about the process right now of repairing your car because... I don't know about you guys, but I do not want to get in my car right now and go to an auto dealer shop and deal with all that headache that already comes with it, but is especially a headache in the current times right now. So I went the other day, kind of a sad state of affairs that I have had to go twice now to rockauto.com. My car has been doing better, but it was a small fix this time. Got some new lights in front. Last time it was my taillights. Guess the lights just happened to go out at the same time. So I went to rockauto.com. Very easy to use. The catalog is unique, very easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle. Choose the brands, the specification, and the prices that you prefer. And best of all, the prices at rockauto.com, they're always reliably low. They are no different than what you are getting if you're a professional, if you're someone who's doing it yourself. It is a one-stop shop that has a smooth interface, very easy to use, comes to you in a timely manner, in a safe manner right now. Cannot say enough good things about rockauto.com. And when you go there, you have to make sure that you go to their How Did You Hear About Us box and write Locked On in there. That would be big for us, the podcast network here on the Locked On Syracuse podcast. If you write that in their How Did You Hear About Us box, they will know that we sent you to rockauto.com. An amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Okay, time to have some fun now and play Let's Grade the 2021 Football Class to this point. 15 commits now. I'll give you kind of the numbers around the class real quick, Ty, before we get into our actual grades. 54th nationally as of recording here on Sunday night. Where's Bama at? 14. Oh, right. I saw they got their third five-star since uh, June yesterday. So okay, yeah. that, that's, that's Bama was... football. I think they've passed Syracuse now. Yes, just gonna go out I, on a whim would, and say that i don't have I the rankings in front of me that. but yep <laughs> right well syracuse is 13th in the acc out of 14 so not great in that regard actually a little bit better nationally they were 59th nationally last year worth noting and, though they did move up a spot in the acc yes they used they to did. be 14 I, so they have jumped up one 
They jump Duke, who has Riley Leonard, but they don't have the number 13 ranking anymore in this class. So, anyway, that's kind of the numbers. 83.9 overall ratings-wise. I'm not a big ratings person. That's about what it was last year, and especially this year. I think it's going to be tough to sort of quantify some of these recruits, especially the way high school football is trending, and it's already been nixed in a lot of areas, you see. So I think more importantly, it's to look at maybe the offer sheets and things like that, especially in this cycle. That's how I kind of view it. Yeah, I would say offer sheets and also the interest because some of these guys, they may have interest from a lot of these schools right now, but they didn't get the opportunity to go to some of these camps that they're used to going to over the summer. And that's where a lot of these guys are going to pick up some of those offers. And they're not afforded that luxury this year. Right. And like with Ellis, who we just talked about, interest from Oregon, I mean, that is a different tier of school than right. what we've seen mm-hmm. so far from any of these recruits. So that, that was definitely and that's a good common indicator for him. with Hawaii, too, where they're, they're, you're going to get a lot of Pac-12 love, especially from Oregon. I mean, Marcus Mariota, remember him? He was from Oregon. Sure. And uh, you, you see a lot of good players out of Hawaii go to Oregon. I should say yeah. Marcus Mariota is from Hawaii and went to Oregon. He's not from Oregon. All right, so I'll let you start us off here on your grade and kind of an explanation why. I think I might be a little bit lower than you, but this is a complete guess. It's kind of a tough thing to to quantify here. So what was the grade you okay, came up with? Okay. So my if I had to grade this and you're going to you're going to give me some grief right here and I'm oh, going no. to adjust it because you're going to make me adjust it. But my grade is incomplete right now because that's what this class oh, is to come me. Come on. No, no, no. But I'm going to explain why. And I'm, <laughs> I'll give you, based on what I see so far, what I think. But right now, this class is incomplete, in my opinion. Absolutely. So yeah. it's incomplete right now because it's a strictly volume class. And you're still trying to lure some of those four-star guys to really shape it out once things are all said and done. And... It's not going to be a sexy class until there's a four-star, and for that reason alone, I'm giving this class a C-minus right now. There's a lot of good stuff. There's also a lot of suspect stuff that we just don't know about, and like we've kind of hinted at, it's really tough to grade a class right now because you don't know what's – you don't see full offer sheets right now, and that's probably the, the hardest part to navigate around. So largely, I find this class to be incomplete, but if I had to give it a grade, I'm giving it that C minus because of the fact that it is still lacking that guy. Listen, I love Justin Lampson. I think that maybe he could be a top 500 guy in the class. Maybe he could even add another star onto his ranking as well. But for right now, based on what we know, based on what we see, there's no other way for me to grade this class other than incomplete. Yeah. So I'm glad you brought that up. I admit this is a very trivial game and kind of silly to do but i don't want anyone to be flooding our twitter and saying why the heck are these guys grading a class that you know you can't really do it well we're just having fun listen the highest guy in the rankings right now for this class is 855 and it's justin lampson a guy who took a giant spike up to 855 so you're your guy who's headlining this class and listen you and i are both justin lampson fans we both think he can be a very very good quarterback in the ACC and for Syracuse. But at the end of the day, if it takes a giant spike to get you to 855 and that's where you're at right now, that that's the spearhead of your class that shows that there is some work that can be done to build this. And yeah. listen, I think 
while Justin Lampson's 855 right now, and you see a number of these other guys who are sitting in the 900s, the low thousands, a lot of those numbers are going to go up because Syracuse just has an eye for getting some of those overachievers. We just don't know who the overachievers are right now. It's so tough to predict when you don't have camps. Who knows if they're going to have a season? I know California has already pushed theirs to the new year, and so a guy like Justin Lampson isn't even going to be able to play high school football until 2021, and that just complicates the whole thing. There's going to be diamonds in the rough in this class, okay? No doubt about it in my mind. I just don't know who they are right now, and it's impossible to go out and predict it. Yeah, so your number was really, or your letter, I should say, was really low with the C-. minus. I was expecting you to be a little bit higher than me. I have it at B-, minus, and I think the reason why maybe I'm a little bit higher, you touched on Lampson there. I think he's a borderline four-star guy when this is all said and done, and I know it's, it's weird to talk about because how does he get elevated when there's no high school season? Well, I guess what I'm saying is, or any of in those my quarterback eyes, camps as well. I think that's the big right. one for quarterbacks, more so yeah, than the, sure. the high school season. We saw it with Devito, and yeah. you know, countless others have done the same thing. And there's there's a great article on the Athletic about this too, which I think we should discuss tomorrow with because yeah. it definitely pertains to Justin Lampson. Exactly. Yeah, we can dive into that tomorrow, and you know, he had some comments to us about his thoughts on the high school season a little bit, and we can discuss that. So I think because Lampson, I'm very high on him, and, you know, maybe it's a little bit of bias just because I want to be high on him, but also I, I think everything we've heard we've heard about him, everything when we talked to him just passed the intangibles test for me. And I really do like his tape. I feel like in a talent-rich area, it's kind of surprising that he's only an 85 overall. I think he there's a road to where he's a four-star by the end of this cycle. It wouldn't shock me. And then also, he's quarterback. I mean, that is exactly priority number one going into this cycle. We've talked about it at nauseum, honestly. And you missed on Riley Leonard, but I think you got a guy just as good in Lampson. If not better. And again, yeah, and maybe that's silly to say because I'd be pumped about Riley Leonard too. And I was really bummed for a lot of reasons. One, because Leonard's my last name, and I wanted Leonard to be the quarterback. Yeah, you needed your jersey. Exactly. But uh, outside of that, I, I was definitely bummed when Riley Leonard said no to Syracuse and goes to Duke. I think they bounce back in a great way. I think the fact that your top commit is at quarterback elevates the class more for me. And again, I don't look at ratings a lot, but when you do look at these offer sheets, I think anyone would tell you some of them are, you know, we can't sugarcoat it. Like they're not what other schools in the ACC are competing against. And that's also part of the territory. And it's always been part of the territory. But I mean, I went down the list today as I was prepping for this and Outside of Terry Lockett and Landon Morris, who had Michigan offers, Austin Maroon had the Arizona State offer, Josh Huff had a local offer to Pittsburgh, and then there's Lampson, of course, with the Louisville offer, and then this guy we just discussed, Kalen Ellis, throws in UCL and UCLA and Virginia into his offer sheet and has some of that really good interest. Outside of those guys, maybe I'm missing a couple here or there, but that's kind of all you have for Power 5. And we're 15 commits in. I mean, that that part to me is a little weak. And I don't care if you're Mr. Ratings or not. I don't think you can ignore the offer sheets not being that great. 
And I think that's the important thing that you bring up there because I just ran through some of the numbers of how many guys Syracuse brings in year to year in the Dino Babers era. So the his first year he brought in 19, but again, you have to remember that's a split class. You've got some of the Schaefer players whose scholarships are still being honored while Dino's also trying to get his own guys in. So to me, 19 is an outlier number and you cannot include it in this exercise. Outside of that, his first year, 26 guys. And now you're on a four, remember, you, these work in four-year cycles. So now we're four years away from that. So maybe this is a bigger class because a number of those guys are going to graduate. Now you got to remember, too, a number also redshirt as well. So you got to remember all of that when you're taking in this, taking all of this into account. So that was a bigger class. So we could also see a bigger class this time around. But pretty much everything's been hovering around 21, 22. He had 21 the year after the, his 26 or 2018. He had 21, 2019, 20. And then 2020, he had 23 guys in the class. So that's your ballpark number. So by that estimation, you're looking at maybe six more guys. And you're going to have to splash at some point. Is it going to be an Enrique Cruz to further bolster the offensive line? Deuce Chestnut four-star defensive back who you'd love to bring in. And I'm not saying Syracuse is DBU, but you're proving that you've gotten some guys in the past that yeah. you have turned into NFL caliber prospects. And in some cases, first round level prospects. So that's going to be one of the things that I'm interested to see over the next couple of weeks and months. They haven't gotten a four-star since Terrell Williams, according to 24-7 sports. And some of those guys bounced around being a four and then were three. And I can think of a couple examples, but that's three cycles now where you have not had a four star. And I mean, you got to get at least one in this cycle, I'd say. And again, it's not so much about the ratings. It's just like that shows strides in the, in the program. And that shows that progress is being made and you're taking a step up from where you were, which is what you have to do to an extent in order to see that progress on the football field. It doesn't just happen from purely good coaching. Good coaching's huge, but I think the talent that you bring in and how good of a recruiting staff you have is equally as important, maybe even more important. And, you know, it's, it's a tough thing to balance out which ways more, but I'd like to see a four-star, and that's why, to your point, it really is an incomplete because there are some four-star guys that I feel a little bit better about them getting than in the past, and they've, they've kind of been close on a lot of these four-stars recently, and it feels like they're kind of due for one. I think Deuce Chestnut is right that's there. That's the one I feel of, best about, yes, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, me too. And, and Enrique to Cruz Enrique. is a higher-level uh, three-star guy, too. He could bolster your class a lot. I mean, Enrique Cruz, if he commits, he's your top-rated guy in the class so far. So Yeah, I, by a lot. Uh, yeah, and I think that would be – it's one of those things. And, again, we talked about this – what was it, last week or a week and a half ago when we were talking about the rebuilding of the Syracuse football program. And there's going to need to be some strides that are taken in aspects that coaching doesn't necessarily control. Because you look yeah. at, okay, facility upgrades, that's something that Dino Babers, I'm sure he's got input and stuff like that, but he can't just say, yep, I need a I need a slide for my locker room. I don't think Dabo Sweeney did that. I, I, I think that that was, they, Clemson had the money, and they, they probably pulled the players in a sense too. Because, again, when you're pulling in five-star guys perennially like Clemson is, 
you let the players kind of have a little input, I think, on some of the locker room stuff. What would make for upgrades? And you just kind of pull the industry, too. What what are some other schools doing? How are they improving their facilities and stuff like that? So, again, that's something that Dino Babers, I don't think, has total control. He can't snap his fingers and, boom, you get a sleeping pod chamber for your entire locker room. That's just not how it's going to work. But we are going to have to see some money be put into the program if you want to see the recruiting improve as well. Absolutely. I will say this, on paper, this looks like just another start to a Dino class in terms of, as you mentioned, no one above 85.5. Justin Lampson's kind of the clear-cut number one guy right now. No one in the high-end three-star category. No one with a tremendous offer sheet. But I do feel like this class is better than it looks on paper. If that makes sense. Like yes. if you're someone I am with you goes, in that because yeah. of the fact that there's so much unknown and I lean on the side of optimism with a lot of these guys because of the fact that there is so much unknown and I think that there are like I said, I think there's going to be a gem, but you cannot predict that right now with right. these guys. Like take Josh Huff, for example. We watched his tape and I mean, we had I mean, we to call text him Derek Henry right away. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, and we've had some people even tweet at us and stuff like that. Some people that are a little more plugged in on the Pennsylvania football scene who have said about this guy that he's someone who, if he played in a different class level in in Pennsylvania, he might actually be a four star running back because that's how good he is. And you see him run over these guys, and he's got the breakaway speed to go with it too. That's just, to me, that that's a guy who, like we've kind of talked about, can overachieve his ranking. Yeah, I think he's a perfect example of what I'm trying to say, because if you are just the person that looks online, doesn't view the tape, or doesn't look into anything outside of just the number that's next to these kids' names, well, he looks like the worst recruit in the cycle, numbers-wise. I mean, he is on 247sports.com. He's, I think, not even a three-star on Rivals, which is just right. crap, really, and and the more you actually look into some of these kids, you realize that, oh, they fit the scheme that Syracuse is looking for. They bring height to some positions where they're trying to get more height. Or in the case of Josh Huff, he's just really darn good in his tape. I mean, right. that's just point blank. He had one of the more impressive tapes. So Agreed. anything else you want to yeah, add? Yeah, okay. On... I, I do want to get one thing out there before yeah. we, we break out and, and we, we get ready for the Tuesday edition of the show. But it's, it's this fact. And... There's three guys that I like to parallel with Dino Babers. It's a combination of when they took over the program and the caliber of program that they took over and where the recruiting ranks. So these are the three guys that I like to to kind of compare Dino Babers to. Matt Campbell at Iowa State, Tom Allen at Indiana, Jeff Brom at Purdue. All of them took, a, took over the program between the years 2015 and and early 2017. And in Dino's case, it was late 2015. He really took it over more of a 2016. So those are the guys that I like to stack up with Dino Babers. So when I look and try to grade a class and see, okay, what has Dino done to improve recruiting? Those guys are kind of my barometer. Well, when I stack them up, Dino, I think, is probably fourth on the list there. And Matt Campbell, he's got... In this cycle, he's got three guys at 855 or better. 855 is my number to is my big number here because that is what Justin Lampson's rating is. 
Right now, the entirety of the class is ranked 48th. Last year, he was 46. And remember, Dino has not cracked the top 50 as a head coach at Syracuse. Tom Allen at Indiana. This year's class, seven guys 855 or better. And he's also been able to recruit a couple of really good quarterbacks to Indiana as well. So much so that one has to transfer because of the fact that they just have so many good quarterbacks on the roster. Then you go to Jeff Brom at Purdue. This year, you've got two guys at 855 or better. One of them, though, is a four-star. It's a smaller class. A lot of these guys have smaller classes. Dino's ahead of them right now in volume, but not necessarily in quality right now. And then last year's class was ranked 33rd in the country. He had a number of four-star guys come in. And then the year before that, he had a 25th-ranked class. So to me, I mean, listen, Indiana, Purdue, Iowa State, those schools don't scream football to me. No. Likewise, Syracuse doesn't either. So yeah. they've had similar challenges, and it seems like they have kind of gone about things a little bit better and had a little more success than Dino Babers has had at Syracuse. That's interesting. All right, well, that'll do it for today's episode. We'll be back tomorrow as we are every single weekday. You can follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. And everyone stay safe out there, and we'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Oh.